0: Hey, everyone, before we get started on this notebook edition, I want to tell you about DraftKings. The long wait is over. Golf's first major of the year is this weekend. Golfers are headed to San Francisco to tee off and compete for the crown, and there's no better way to join the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To celebrate golf's first major of the year, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering special odds and promotions all weekend long, and all new users get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Every day of the tournament, DraftKings Sportsbook is boosting your profits by 30%. All you have to do is opt in and place a bet. Head to the app right now and check out all they have to offer, including player props, day by day action and even hole by hole live betting that's the most fun thing you can possibly do you can only sometimes you only have to watch golf for like 3 minutes and you can place a little bet watch see if your bet hits it's it, that that's like by one of my favorite, probably top five favorite gambling things to do. So download the top-rated uh, DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out with a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Just enter code DNVR when you sign up. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. What is up, everybody, and welcome to the DNVR Nuggets podcast. I'm your host, Adam Matiz, from thednvr.com, where you can subscribe right now for $5 a month. Just $5 a month, and you get a free t-shirt. Practically pays for yourself, and you get access to all of our premium content. You become a member. You join the club. You're in. You know what? I don't even have to sell this. This DNVR is one of those things now where it's like, if you know, you know. And I think a lot of people... A lot of people know. I don't hear too many complaints, too many regrets about the subscription. Today's episode of the show is going to be on the uh, Notebook episode. It's going to be going back over some of the details that I saw. I've now watched the game two and a half times and feel like I have a pretty good grasp. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for the season and excited for that, you know, that the Nuggets got the win and, and that things went the way that they did. Michael Porter Jr. playing that awesome game. That watching these games two, three times is like no chore at all. Now, of course, come Wednesday, if they lose to the San Antonio Spurs and I have to watch that thing again, I promise you it'll be a little bit of a chore. But at least this game, you know, watching it uh, again and just seeing all the little things that Jokic did, Michael Porter did, Monte Morris, he really looked a lot better on second watch than he did on the first one. You know, It was it was fun. It gets me excited. I kind of like the fact that the Nuggets play at 2 o'clock on Wednesday because that means I don't have to wait too long. To, <laughs> I don't have to wait the entire day. Um, I, I basically get it uh, right there early in the afternoon. So I got some notes here, and I want to go over them. If we have some time at the end, I'll look ahead to San Antonio and just kind of talk briefly about what, what to kind of expect in that game or, or what I'm hoping to see in that game. But let's first dive into these notes. If you're new to the show, notebook episode, I go in order of my notes. I take notes throughout my rewatch, you know, somewhat detailed notes. I'll splice clips together that I'll throw on a a column that I call The List. It's really just a video series. So if you're a subscriber to DNVR, you can go online and check that out. My first note on here, Michael Porter Jr. had an outlet to Jokic rim running. and, And when it happened, I had this thought, we don't see Jokic as like the deep guy down the court on offense too often, mainly because he's such an anchor for the Nuggets defensively that he's grabbing a lot of defensive boards or he's just the the last guy down the court. So having Michael Porter, and, and especially early on, as engaged and focused as Michael Porter was in this game, Jokic just found himself with the opportunity to kind of run out, and and it was nice because that you always think of Jokic throwing the bombs like Gary Harris and Jamal Murray, but for him to be on the receiving end, I hope that's – I hope this isn't a one-off. Jokic is so good when he rim runs. He's so good when he's the when he beats the defense down the court and is able to establish low position. One of the best in the game, but the Nuggets don't get nearly enough of this. Some of this is because Denver doesn't run as a team. They play just at such a slow pace, but I would love to see more of Jokic sort of running in transition. I'd be curious to see what the numbers were. Him and, him and uh, Mason Plumlee haven't played a whole lot this year, including in the bubble. But I wonder if when they were playing together, if Jokic was getting a lot of those sort of transition points, that'd be kind of an interesting sort of statistical deep dive. Um... One benefit, or I'm sorry, Porter to open this game was red hot. I mean, he was red hot throughout it. Obviously, career high 37 points, um, but he was red hot to red hot to start it from all three levels, knocking down threes. You know, mid range, getting to the rim, off cuts, offensive rebounds. It just felt like his his touch, man. On obviously on jumpers, his jumper is so smooth and so pretty. But his touch on just finishes around the rim is what continues to surprise me about him there's a there's a lot that that surprises me about him his rebounding for one just his length and athleticism for another sort of the control he has with the ball in his hands hit you watch him dribble he doesn't look like he would be a you know like have a good handle and I still think his handle can get cleaned up a lot but it's it's very serviceable like he's able to beat guys off the dribble and make moves and handle the ball and his sort of tricky situations tight situations and um he just had his skill set is so much more complete than I thought I kind of thought of him as this like jump shooting gunner but he really his touch around the rim and all the little things that he does to score it's the complete offensively it's pretty much the complete package I don't know what I would say offensively he can add in terms of a skill what he can add is a better feel for the game you know the two-man game the three-man game things like that but just in terms of raw skills like touch around the rim footwork inside footwork outside he's just he's so far along in that it's funny I saw on, on Instagram somebody sent it to me today um you know will Barton said something for him like you're you know gonna be special and will Bart- or mpJ said just trying to be like you and will Barton said dude you're light years ahead of where I was when I was your age if one will Barton's just the realist and I, I love that he you know is willing to take players under his wing like that and kind of and, and, and kind of pump them up but at the same time it's true Michael Porter jr is a is such a like polished offensive talent and he has a lot more polishing to go, but he's just so far along that it's not, if you, if you really think about 21, 22 year old players, and especially if they're rookies, you think, okay, maybe they can do this or that, but we got to teach him to do, we got to teach him to catch and shoot or we need to teach him to like dribble and shoot or whatever it is all the little skills and he just you don't have to worry about with him with that with him he's so far along on it already I love watching this dude play I mean right now I said this before but in a lot of ways, it reminds me of watching Jokic those first few years, where it was just like every game you're looking forward to because you haven't quite gotten used to the skill set, so it all feels like a new surprise. And watching this game, man, it just—it was such a joy. I had a smile on my face the entire time. I, it was—it's pretty awesome. He talked about wanting to fix his effort mindset and and called Michael Malone. This has been talked about a little bit on yesterday's show, but you know. His maturity on that end, and just, it really does seem like his relationship with Michael Malone is really good right now, and I know we speculate a lot about, oh no, you know, not playing a lot, he looks frustrated on the bench, or this or that, but... It sure sounds like he, uh, you know, he's handling this rookie year and sort of sees it for what it is, which is Michael Malone testing him. I see sometimes people send me comments like Michael Malone doesn't like him. He should demand a trade, this or that. Um, I, it seems like he knows that Michael Malone does in fact like him. He's just trying to really instill some of these um, lessons into him, and I think that's a real positive. So 12 points for Michael Porter Jr. early on. He's just too big. They had Dord on him. They had uh, Roberson on him for a while. And, you know, Roberson is like a tall, long, athletic defender. And and used to be. I mean, we'll see how, you know, he's just now coming back from basically a two-year hiatus for injury. But he's still long. He still has those, you know, the good technique. Michael Porter made it look easy and the times that Robertson got got switched out onto him, because he's so much taller, he's so much more athletic, and he's so skilled that he knows how he can employ those. Um, I, I'm really curious to see Michael Porter get a shot against some of the elite defenders. I want to see LeBron guard him. I want to see Kawhi and Paul George, because against guys like that, he's gone up so far, he just makes it look like those guys aren't even in front of him. Um, like that, like they're a mild inconvenience at best, and that it's just so encouraging. Bull Bull got a little first quarter run. I would like to see some more Bull Bull, and I think we will going forward. The Nuggets, you know, have a back-to-back coming up Wednesday and Thursday. they got the, um, the San Antonio on Wednesday. They've got Portland on Thursday. And, you know, I don't know if Jamal Murray will be back. He's listed as questionable on the report. Will Barton and Gary Harris are listed as out the fact that you have seen some players along around the league, like Jonathan Isaac, um, go down with injury today. Who else was it? There's another player that went down. Um, oh man, I can't believe I'm blanking on who it was. You see players go down with an, with, with injuries, and you think, okay, Denver is smart to sort of slow play it. You, you don't want to rush guys back and have them play, especially when these games are as meaningless as they are, just in terms of. You know, Denver doesn't want to fall. They want to rise. They have a chance to be the two-seed the Clippers lost today. So technically Denver controls their own destiny for the two-seed. But is there really a difference between playing, say, Oklahoma City, who will likely be the six-seed, and um, actually I shouldn't say likely, that could be the six-seed, and then Dallas, who is almost certainly to be the seven-seed? I don't think so. Both of those teams are tough. So I think you just rest them. Um, So Bull Bull here with a back-to-back. I suspect that at least in one of those games – his minutes will get up into the 10 15 maybe even 20 minute mark assuming no other players are cleared to play between now and then and even if jamal murray is the only one we still might see bowl bowl and get a little bit of an extended run which of course i'm all for um the nuggets when he's in the game the nuggets actually play a lot of zone and i find that interesting i don't know if that's because defense in the, the nba level is so complex and he hasn't had any practice and malone's just kind of like hey man we do this is what's what we're going to do i don't i don't know what the strategy is with that or maybe it's that he. So tall that when you stick him in the middle of a zone, he covers so he, he is such a rim deterrent. Maybe that's the reason, maybe it's because they don't have a lot of guards. So it's not so much about worrying about Bull Bull, but when he's on the court, you have big players standing out on the perimeter. He's basically a small forward on offense, but in center, if you stick him in the middle there. Well, that means you got to spend Jeremy Grant somewhere else. You got to spend uh, Paul Millsap or Mason Plumlee somewhere else. So you end up putting bigs up on the, you know, out on the perimeter guarding guards. That's no good. So I think the zone is why they run it. Um, I have a note in here, Jeremy Grant, and I've talked about this a lot, but man, do I have an example of this on the list? He does not use his athleticism on offense very well at all. In fact, he plays like an unathletic guy. He he had this move, and it's on the list, but he has this move where he gets around the defender with a dribble move all the way to the rim, and there's a guy who's late rotating and kind of jumps. And rather than just dunk that guy through the rim, which he absolutely could have done with his vertical, he like tries to finesse his way around him and shoots it backwards over his head and airballs it. And it's he turned what was, it, at a minimum, a slam dunk, and at maximum, like a uh, uh, an and one into an air ball layup because he didn't want to get the contact. And he's done this. This isn't like a one off. I've I've said this about him for a while, but this example was so egregious that thinking about him defensively as this long and athletic guy I think applies because he's very good at using that especially in one-on-one defense but thinking about him as offensive he's not gonna dunk ever like, he's almost never going to dunk on somebody so um if he plays you might as well consider him like a six five below the rim type when he's driving into traffic or or what have you and that's really disappointing Denver has an interesting decision to make with jeremy grant. I'm really curious. I, all year I've kind of thought that, oh, for sure they'll go after him. But, you know, with Bol so sort of waiting in the wings and then also just the numbers with Jeremy Grant and Nikola Jokic, not great, which is crazy because the numbers with Jokic and anybody is pretty good. I, I'm curious how Denver approaches um, his free agency and what that looks like. They paid a first for him. So maybe they feel pot committed um but I, I'm cu- I'm curious. I'm not I, I'm me, I'm lukewarm on, on Jeremy Grant. I think he's a good player, but I'm I don't know that I'm in love with the guy or in love with the talent. Um both fouled on the break. He, it, it's funny. He's so tall and he's so good at deterring shots at the rim, but he had this one where he was you know, in position to at least contest and he's so long that for him just putting his hands up near the basket makes it hard to score on but he got ran into in part because he like was afraid of the contact it looks it looked to me like he was afraid of the contact or unsure of the contact and to me that's going to be one of the biggest things there was a couple times in this game actually where I thought when he was in where I thought man he just doesn't like contact he doesn't like to like get hit or push or whatever and that's one part of his game mentally I think he's going to have to overcome because for him to be the best version of himself, he's going to have to be in a lot of sort of sticky situations. You always say if you're a shot blocker, you're going to get dunked on. It just it, It's inevitable. You're going to get knocked over. You're going to get posterized. You just have to get through that and you have to sort of embrace the, hey, I'm still so tall and I'm still so intimidating just from a shot blocking standpoint that, um you know, so what if you get bumped a little bit? Guys are going to be afraid of you the more you sort of, like, embrace that contact. um Dozier had a lot of... This is a weird Dozier game. He had a lot of weird decisions early. I think he's... We, we talked about P.J. composure, you know, how he's so composed. I think what it might actually be is he's just, like, in really confident. Especially for a guy who hasn't really stuck around in the NBA yet. And he played like it. He took... A lot of possessions where you would think, man, he's looking guys off or he's just trying to get to the rim or whatever um, and and not necessarily in a good way. But no, overall, I thought the Nuggets had a lot more intensity on the defensive end. Part of this was that Michael Porter was just playing so hard and he was one that was playing not so hard in the previous game that it really the, the contrast really stood out. But one of my big notes here is just that Denver, Denver was playing hard and that matters sometimes. That means a lot. Take a quick break here and tell you about Breckenridge Brewery. Breckenridge Brewery is DNVR. DNVR is Breckenridge Brewery. One day, maybe the companies will merge. I would love that. And then I get the Adamatas beer. What would that be? I don't know. I'm actually bummed. I actually went to, this is how cool the the DNVR bar is. I actually went to Spano over the weekend because I found out um, that we're getting, they're going to replace the Mountain Beach with Strawberry Sky. Strawberry Sky, my second favorite uh, Breck Brewery or Breck Brew. My number one is the Mountain Beach. And I told him, hey, can we replace something else there that's my favorite one and i think i I think i succeeded i think we're gonna have mountain beach back at the dnvr bar Um, you can try out the mountain beach if you haven't already it's a great summer beer um, as is the strawberry sky both of those peak summer beers the colorado core the hot peak Uh, IPA, the Vanilla Porter Jr., which is, you know, quickly climbing up people's (laughs) ranks as we speak. The Avalanche Amber Ale. They got all kinds of stuff where you can do the Jokic Pack, the 15-can sampler. You get three of five different beers. All of them fantastic. Become a Breckenridge Brewery person. You're a DNVR person. Now you're a Breckenridge Brewery person, as are we. And thank God, because it's a great beer. It'd be a real drag if we were like something else, some, some disgusting beer. And I was like, oh, you guys, uh, have you have you not tried the, I mean, I know what would be a really terrible beer. The Yusuf Nurkic IPA. Oh, it's terrible from uh, some scrub brewery. Nope, Breckenridge Brewery. Fantastic. Check them out. Um, one of our great partners. And you can even get food at their farmhouse, which I highly recommend. I also want to remind you about DraftKings. You know, you want to bet on these NBA games. This is like March Madness right now. There's games going all day. You fear-sit network, you throw $5 on every single game, and then it just gives you a little incentive to kind of keep checking back the score and, and give you something throughout your day to kind of get excited about or depressed about, depending on how good you are. You can get DraftKings Sportsbook. Again, they're giving all users these special odds boosts. If you just check back, check your emails or check your, check the app for all the different odds boosts, you'll find out that they almost at least, like, once every three days give you some deal that's too good to pass up. It's like, you know, 10 to 1 odds on something that should be 50-50 and it's just crazy. Um, and If basketball's not your game, well, of course it's your game if you're listening to this, but not to bet on. If you just like basketball for what it is, but you want to bet on something else, DraftKings has great odds and promotions on all sports ranging from MMA to baseball. MMA, sneaky fun game to bet, our sport to bet on, because <laughs> then you get so intense, you're like screaming like a meathead at the screen. DraftKings uh, Sportsbook is US-based, making it safe, secure, and reliable just download the top rated draft book DraftKings sportsbook app and use promo code dnbr don't forget that promo code uh must be 21 or older colorado only other terms and conditions and eligibility restrictions apply see draftkings.com sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 it's nice to see bull bull drain a three it's funny he he had a post up and he had an undersized guy on him and he turned to dunk it and he got his shot blocked. And what I think is interesting about a player like Bobas, thinking about this when I rewatched it, he's seven foot two. In his life, he has n- rarely gone up with players who he had to worry about being able to block his shot because he's so tall. I mean, he played college basketball. He played the AAU circuit, but even there, he's so tall, so skilled, so long that if you're, you know, at the AAU level or like even the college level, you can have a center who's like six eight. And it's like, okay, but yeah, but he's so skilled or he's so strong or whatever it is that he can hang with most people. When you're seven-two though, he could just turn and dunk on those guys. So he turned to dunk it thinking he had an easy lane to the basket, and he gets rejected. But what I liked was ball goes out of bounds. They run a play for him to get a three, and he drains it. So confidence not shaken just by getting his shot blocked. And it was just nice to see him get on the scoreboard um, since he only played a handful of minutes. Chris Paul also went right at him, which is, you know, interesting. he back back-to-back possessions. He basically ISO'd him and shot a mid-range jumper over him. Only Chris Paul, not intimidated by Bull Bull's reach. I also think about this kind of stuff. Like, Chris Paul's been in the league for a, a, a long time. He's been in the league since Bull Bull was, like, eight years old. So you have to imagine Bull Bull has grown up knowing Chris Paul as this, like, basketball star. And here he is on a court with him. I just, I kind of get a kick out of that. And Chris Paul doing his thing where he's like, yo, you're, you, you have a nine, eight standing reach, not intimidated, not afraid. Um When Bulls on the court, I mentioned this earlier, but he's primarily offensively, basically a three. I, I'm not, I don't know. He might, he's an interesting one because I don't think he's a five. I think he's a four, three sort of hybrid and so I think that going forward, you're going to, it's going to be interesting to see how Denver pairs him. If they can play him with Michael Porter Jr. Uh, on the court at the same time. And Jokic, of course, you know, maybe I don't, I, I think, I, I think so, obviously, but it's going to be interesting to see if there's like, you know, defensively, they have a lot to learn because none of those guys are naturally there or, or whatever. But um, he's, it's interesting to see that at least right now, he's playing a lot with two other bigs. Um, he's going to have to work on his jab step. He's got all these great, You know, he's got all these great skills, but they're just a little too robust. He has a little bit of cleaning up to do. And when you're that tall, some of these travel calls are you know young smaller players maybe get away with it because they're quicker and it's harder to kind of see when your foot drags with him he's so tall and so long that it's very pronounced when he sort of drags a foot or dribbles a second too late so in this offseason he has his work cut out for him but nonetheless he's so smooth with his handle that i think once he cleans it up he's going to be a real problem a real problem um I mean, this is no this note I've talked about a lot, but Michael Porter Jr. He just finds himself in scoring position a lot, and that alone to me is a talent. He's it's not that he's like oh man, he did something amazing with the ball or this or that. It's just you know how there's players that always just you was this way that just always seem to be around the basketball like rebounding or cutting or just you you, you kind of always look up and go oh man, he's in scoring position. Well, That's him, and he just he has a nose for it. He's fun to watch off ball because. Even offensive rebounds, he doesn't just, like, run at the rim. I mean, if if it was as easy to offensive rebound as Michael Porter Jr. makes it seem, then everybody would be grabbing offensive rebounds. But if you really just key in on him on a possession, especially when he's not touching the ball – the angles he takes when he crashes the boards i mean he's just so good at putting himself in his defenders blindside and he's so good at sort of getting them to misread what angle he's taken to the basket so and then once he gets there he's so tall and so quick that he's going to he's going to grab it he he just finds himself in scoring position it's a real talent how he moves to 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 place himself in 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 key spots the Nuggets actually opened up a 10 point lead in the second quarter and they really started to get things rolling um I mean a lot of this is that Jokic MPJ too like when they're both on the court you're just going to be such a positive you can really start to rally off points and Denver's defense was stonewalling Oklahoma City and then they were scoring every time down court and just it, it was a nice rally going on um Oklahoma City, one, I was, I was trying to think of what things in a playoff series would be different from Oklahoma City, and they didn't have Dennis Schroeder, who went home for the birth of his child, so he was not there, I think he'll make a huge difference, because Denver really has struggled with him in in this season, and in, in, in recent seasons, and also just they struggle in general with speedy point guards, that's one of their kryptonites, so Um, I think he would change the dynamic. And then the other one was they just didn't double him in the post. Um, I don't think that they trust Steven Adams. It's kind of because it's funny listening to some of the national pods over the last few days talk about the Nuggets because they've really talked about how much it's like it's on everybody's radar now that Jokic sort of abuses Steven Adams, that that's such a favorable matchup for the Nuggets. So the fact that the Thunder did not double team Jokic at all, even when they had easy opportunities to do it, makes me think that in a playoff series, they're almost certainly going to change that defense. Of strategy, and they just didn't want to tip their hand or, you know, kind of let Jokic get a read on what they'll look like. So that if they do match up in a playoff series, that'll be interesting to watch. Um, Michael Porter Jr. is so aggressive. This is my next thing in here? Is he just? He, he never stops attacking you I think he's got a great motor He did run out He played 44 minutes Or 43 and a half minutes In this game And um, you know He did I think Kind of run out of steam A little bit He's still got to get used To that that minute total But he doesn't When he when he had gas in the tank He didn't stop attacking And this included The fourth quarter He just kept going Like um, sometimes It's play after play After play He doesn't You know He doesn't settle He'll take jumpers But to, for him That's not settling he's, an, he's I think An elite shooter But it's just he's always looking at the rim and thinking how can I put this thing in there how can I put this ball in the hoop um pretty late in the second Dozier kept calling his own number and he actually audibled away from Michael Porter Jr. who was absolutely on fire and to me especially watching it I knew that he had made some questionable decisions but man when you see a guy that's hit like two three four in a row and then you see him an opportunity to kind of get him the ball in decent position and you say nah I got this one um really really rubs me the wrong way and I'm not saying PJ is necessarily a selfish player but I think maybe he's more of a um attacker I I don't know we still we're still getting to know PJ's game but he might be one of those guys that's always in attack mode a lot, even in in some ways like an Emmanuel Moutier and point guards especially if you're not an elite point guard like a Russell Westbrook you really have to figure out the moment where, okay, somebody else has it going. I just really need to find ways to set the table um, or just play within the system. Jokic is on the court. I don't necessarily need to be so aggressive. I don't think he did a great job of that in this game. Um, Michael Porter Jr. had this pass to Jokic off of a cut that I think is a glimpse of the future. And just to set the table, to sideline side out of bounds, um, Michael Porter Jr. catches the ball basically at the free throw line. Monte Morris runs a, sets a back screen for Jokic who sort of curls from the wing towards the basket, and MPJ hits him. Now this is very Jokic-esque, right? Jokic loves to operate from the free throw line or from the elbows, and when you get those back screens, Jokic is so good at threading the needle. Well, it was in reverse, and a lot of that is just because of how tall Michael Porter is and how tall Jokic and big Jokic is. You'll always think of it going from Jokic to MPJ, but MPJ has that ability too just because of how talented he is but also because of how tall he is, and that, that's a really encouraging thing. I'm curious to see if MPJ gets a lot of passes and assists to Jokic, not just, not just the other way around. Finally, halfway through the third, I thought Monte Morris was okay in the first half. I thought he was really good from about halfway in the third all the way out, and he was fantastic in the fourth quarter, a huge reason why they were able to take the thing to overtime. But in the third, he started to get it going. And specifically, he started getting it to go going by turning the corner in both pick and rolls and in some of these, Denver was running a lot of, like, um, you know, it's pistol action, but it's it, it's where the the – he's receiving a screen coming from the corner basically in transition, but the screen was never set. And I have great examples of this up on the list that you can see, and you can really get kind of get a feel for what the action is. But those plays, you know, it's, it's kind of like you would say it's the primary, action would be for you to go to the basket. It doesn't happen very often. Maybe one out of every 15 times you run this sort of set, do you get to go downhill. The point guard get to go downhill towards the basket. But he did a very good job of sort of freezing his defender and then freezing the backside. More importantly, freezing the backside defender and then getting to the basket and just... With a burst of speed, and that's so important, both for Jamal and for Monte. It's so important that they're able to do that because it keeps the defense honest and it puts them on their heels because when you have slow point guards – the defense maybe thinks that they can get into you and they can pressure you because, oh, this guy's not going to beat me off the dribble. He's not going to get around me. When you do burn them a few times, they start to second-guess that, sag off a little bit, and it opens up everything else that you're trying to run within the flow of the offense. He did a great job of that, I thought, um, starting with about the seven-minute mark in the third quarter and continued throughout the game. Um, and actually, P.J. Dozier had a couple of these as well, so I have some examples of each of them that go up on the list uh, tonight. Malone went with his defensive lineup in the third quarter and it got crushed once again. I think over a span of 5 minutes they had one field goal. Um and that that defensive lineup, Dozier, Craig, Millsap, Grant and Jokic, I just right it's it's hard to get too upset about because the Nuggets don't have a lot of options. I mean, they have to rest somebody and, you know, there's just there's not a lot of like offensive weapons you can go to, but I just I don't know that Denver can keep going to that one. It's two games in a row now that halfway through the third quarter you've ran the risk of blowing whatever lead you had or just blowing the game because um, you put in a lineup that is n- honestly not that great defensively to begin with and then uh, because it's too big and it's just I mean, Millsap's kind of lost a little bit lost a step so far but offensively it's just a, almost a no hoper or very little hoper so two games in a row I'm curious to see if Malone mixes that up maybe try to throw Bull Bull out there instead of Jeremy Grant maybe he gives you a little bit more of a dynamic look offensively and and you don't sacrifice too much defensively. I don't know. But I don't know if you can keep going to the lineup, that, 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 um, that, that defensive lineup that gets crushed. MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world inside the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land uh, coveted jobs. Some of our very own staff members at DMV are taking these, including the Peloton Prince. Um, so one of MSU's mantras is learn to lead the change. MSU Denver serves uh, services, Denver, and is a steward of the community. They believe in value without compromise, excellent education at a great price, professors who care about you, formats that fit your life, and taking a gap year, plans change. Our mission never does. Use your gap year to maximize your skills. You're going to want to check out MSU Denver Online. Uh seriously, if you guys are thinking about going back, trying to, trying to get a new skill, uh, I, I think you should be a lifelong learner. And also, it's never too late to sort of change careers, develop a new, te- new skill set, and, and try something out. So check out MSU Denver. Rugby fans... You may have heard us mention that there's some big things happening right now with Colorado rugby. And now we can spill the details. DNVR is covering all things rugby in Colorado and in the United States. That's right. Colton Strickler, our reporter, he's keeping you up to date on all things American rugby with the DNVR rugby podcast. And you can find his written rugby content right on our site, with the rest of our uh, our coverage. It was just announced that Infinity Park in Glendale will be the new official training center for the men's and women's USA Eagles 15 teams. Um, that, mean, that means that Colorado is the place right now to be for rugby in the United States. We're the mecca of rugby. Make sure you are keeping up to speed with us and Colton on the DNVR Rugby podcast. Colton is, is basically doing, like, rugby 101 pods right now to break down the game, and they're really incredible. Um, so I highly recommend if you're wanting to get get into that. He also brings exclusive one-on-one interviews with some of the biggest names in American rugby. So check it out, the DNVR Rugby podcast and all of our stuff at DNVR Rugby. In the fourth quarter now, and P.J. Dozier, he has such an explosive first get step. If you look at his skill set, I think mean, defensively, he really has some upside. He's been fouling in here, but I think some of that has to do with just, like, you know, when you're the G-leaguer, the two-way contract guy, you never get the benefit of the doubt with the officials. But explosive first step from him. Um, and I think that that's that's one thing that Denver's missing. If you look at the backcourt, you'd always love some more shooting, maybe some more length. But more than anything, I think a first step, a guy that just gets around the defense with a little bit of ease. And, um, you know, you're going to laugh when I say this, but there's a little bit of, like, Westbrook in his game. Obviously nowhere close to Russell Westbrook, but just in that ability, and and I think this is a skill set Denver could sort of foster in him, is the ability to sort of catch a swing pass on the move. If you think about a swing pass, ball's going, let's say, from left to right. If you're able to sort of catch it going at the ball, like you attack the basket as arriving to you, the ball is going one way, your momentum is carrying you the other, and the defense the defense is sort of shifting one way and then has to shift the other. He had one of those uh, in the fourth quarter that I thought was really impressive, and it really showed off his first step, and he got all the way to the rim. Missed the layup, but it was a foul. Um, should have been an and one. It shouldn't. Have, the foul should not have affected his ability to finish, um, but... You know, so he's got some raw parts to it, but I do think he has a very explosive first step, more so than maybe any of the other guards on the roster. Um, the back-to-back Michael Porter Jr. threes were maybe the best part of the season. <laughs> no one of them. The seven is the best side, and then those Jokic game winners. But outside of that, the Michael Porter Jr. three in the corner, go down, get a stop, sprint up the court, and pull up for three. Those were just, I mean, pure adrenaline. Outside of Jamal Murray, who else on the Nuggets makes those kind of plays? And Jamal Murray even, you know, doesn't make them too often. You know, he's, he's capable of it. But we've seen Jamal Murray get hot maybe 20, 25 times total over the you know his career so far. Um, for, so to see Michael Porter Jr. with sort of those moments where it's just like, man, you better pick this dude up at half court because if he gets to the three-point line, he's pulling it and he's not hitting anything. String music um he's just so aggressive and so confident it's kind of it's almost comical how confident it was i was talking to brennan vote about this just like isn't it kind of funny when you see a guy that just has like no doubts about himself (laughs) like every every human on earth it's like a or not every apparently but most humans have like some like shred of doubt in their eyes or in their mind and he just seems so like supremely confident to, to to step into shots and everything I thought Denver played great and I thought they were going to lose. I'm not going to lie to you because Oklahoma, his city hit some big threes off of great defensive performances by Denver. Um, and then they, there was like two or three in the fourth quarter alone where you think, okay, Denver played great defense, did all this. and uh, the, some, the ball, you know, gets deflected out to a wide open three point shooter. One of those was Chris Paul, who he hits one with three and a half minutes left and it puts them up seven and, I just thought, "Oh man, Denver's probably done. Points were so tough to come by at this point and um, you know, it just it felt like it was one of those like Michael Porter had played well, but we're just not going to get the W out of it." But it was not to be. I say that to set the table because even Eric and who's an, an eternal optimist kind of had given up hope at that point and rewatching it, I'm thinking, "Oh man, I forgot that they were down this much." But that just made it all the more impressive that they were able to sort of bounce back in that final three and a half minutes. And a huge tip, uh, tip of your hat to Monte Morris, who I thought um, was was really really solid for the Nuggets in in the uh, in the clutch of fourth quarter. Um, the closing lineup they had, both for the end of the game and for overtime, had Michael Porter Jr. at the two. I don't know how much two he's going to play going forward. Although I'm optimistic that he's capable of doing it. There's going to be teams where it's a huge mismatch, but I think Denver can afford to play him there against a lot of teams. And hopefully, in playing, you know, hopefully, especially throughout the course of a regular season, you sort of he gets acclimated to what he needs to do in those moments. But offensively, he's just going to be so much taller. The game ceiling, um, (coughs) excuse me, the game ceiling tip just to kind of Jokic. I think Nuggets are up six points like forty seconds left or something like that, and Jokic gets a layup uh, to kind of seal it. And the way that it actually happened was that Denver ran one of their common plays, this is gonna be up on the list of course, but I, I call the play wedge roll. You recognize the play. It's where Jokic receives a screen coming from the right block over to the left elbow. And then he kind of goes over you know, he cuts off of that down to the right block and then will post up. Well Denver runs that action a lot, but because they were playing Jokic, Millsap, Grant, and Michael Porter all at the exact same time, Jeremy Grant was being guarded by Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Now, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is not going to be able to contain Jokic in the post. This was great play designed by Michael Malone, who you know clearly knew how the team was going to be guarding him. So they place uh, Jeremy Grant in the screener spot. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is now tasked with sort of like fronting Jokic until the defense can recover, something he did not recognize, but even if he did, he would have been, you know, sort of incapable of doing. And so Jokic basically gets a wide-open layup. He misses it, and then he tips in the the rebound. But it's one of those things where you think, oh, yeah, offensively, you throw that much length out there, but not just length, skilled length. And then you you can run some really interesting actions, which Denver was able to do and, and, and get the layup out of. So really, really fun game overall, really interesting one. And, and um, you know, watching it through a second and even a third time, I was actually more encouraged by what I saw and just sort of the direction that Denver's going. Now, quickly turning our, our attention to San Antonio, you know, they're quick. They're guard-oriented. One thing Denver hasn't been Exposed to so far in these first two games is teams that just have tons of guards and tons of speed. They're going to see that in San Antonio, and if Jamal Murray is not back, it's going to be a real interesting test of size versus speed and um, you know guards versus bigs. And um, San Antonio is well, uh, you know they they have a a great coach. The Jakob Purtle is one of the best. I, I know he he kind of looks like a goofball, but he's one of the best um, defenders. Uh, you know, big, big man defender. So it's not going to be a cakewalk for Jokic. So I'm really curious. I would not at all be surprised if Denver lost this game. Uh, I think it's going to be a real challenge and a different challenge than what they've seen so far. So I'm really looking forward to it. Hopefully they get Jamal Murray back because I just am itching to see him on the court. But if not, hopefully we get some more Bull Bowl in this one. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Don't forget to leave a five star rating and review if you enjoy the show. Um, we're going to have the full squad back for the next two nights with hopefully winner's lounges. But post-game shows going live immediately up on our YouTube page. If you haven't already, go uh, on YouTube, look at a D- uh, search for DNVR, and you're going to check out all of our cool content. We have a lot of unique things on there. Um, it, you're going to want to follow us on Instagram. We have unique stuff on there. I'm telling you, guys, we do so much content. Every Any given day, we do so much content over at DNVR, and you're going to want to check all of it out. But do us a favor and leave a rating and review so we can get this up to a five-star pod. I think we're a four-and-a-half-star pod. We want to get it up to a five-star pod. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. Closing out today's show, telling you about Green Mountain Dental Group up in Lakewood. They're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area, and they're extreme Colorado sports fans just like all of us. Uh, our sales director Lindsay went up there and had her wisdom teeth removed just a couple weeks ago said it was literally the best dentist experience of her life I know that because she wrote this copy and she put it in there literally so she literally said it was the best dentist experience of her life I think she also told me she hasn't been to the dentist that many times prior to um, getting Green Mountain Dental so maybe she's both telling the truth but also lying at the same time but seriously um they send you a personal card to your home after becoming a new patient uh they're just they're incredibly caring they're sports fans and if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam you'll receive a free sonicare toothbrush and you got to tweet at us when you go there nobody likes to tweet when they're at the uh, the dentist's office apparently but if you go and tweet at us we'd greatly appreciate it so check them out they're only 15 minutes to denver um and and they're a great family-owned business that supports us so we support them